So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَلَا يُبْدِينَ زِينَتَهُنَّ Just a quick review again. A few more things that I would like to add over here. First of all, what is mentioned with respect to protecting the private parts. Right? Meaning that there are parts of your body that should be covered, that should not be exposed. Unless there is a state of emergency, surgery, treatment, you know, something like that. Other than that, do you think it's okay to expose the aura in front of another woman even? Is that justified? It's not justified. What if it is the night before the wedding where a woman wants to get an entire body wax done, for example? People have actually told me. They have recommended, why don't you do this? Honestly, I'm not joking. And if they can tell a girl who's wearing a niqab, they can tell you too. <laughs> right? And when people, at the time of wedding, that is the greatest time of fitna, honestly. That is the time when you're kind of forced to leave your hijab, or when you're fully decked out, go in front of men who are not mahram, right? expose your aura before people. This is such a sensitive you know, time. But when people tell you to do these things, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us that the women should guard their private part. So it doesn't matter whether it is for the purpose of grooming, or you're going swimming and you're changing, or you are at school before gym or after gym and you have to change. It doesn't matter what situation it is, your body is yours. It is not to be displayed in front of other people. No matter how much they pressurize you. This body is an amana on you. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is going to ask us what we did with our body. When we think about body as an amana, we think about its health. I better take care of my body, I better eat well, I better exercise, I better sleep a lot, you know, because my body is an amana on me. What about covering the body? Allah is also going to ask us about that. So remember, whether it is for the purpose of grooming or it is for the purpose of you know, changing in front of other people, whatever it may be, do not expose your aura. Even if you have to wait 20 minutes in a line, wait 20 minutes in a line for a cubicle where you can change your clothes in privacy. Do not expose your aura in front of other people. Then over here we see that not revealing zina. What is included in zina? I mentioned to you two things, which we reviewed at the beginning also. The body, and what is worn on the body. Now, when it comes to the clothes of a woman, normal clothes, let's say she's wearing pants and a shirt, or let's say she's wearing shalwar kameez, or any other traditional clothes, what are they called? What do you call it, your traditional clothes? Dira or bati? Okay. So... Whether you're wearing dirar, bati, shalwar kameez, you know, whatever you're wearing, sari, whatever. Is that zina? Tough question. Be honest with yourself. Does it beautify you? Does it beautify you? It does. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the Qur'an, in Surah Al-A'raf, ayah 31, Ya Bani Adam, khudu zinatakum inda kulli masjid. Old children of Adam, take your zina near every masjid. Meaning when you're about to pray, make sure that you've taken on your zina. And what is meant by zina over there is clothes. Normal clothes. So the clothes that a woman wears, even they are zina. Even they are adornment. 
which means that when she goes in front of non-mahram, she should try her best to conceal that, to cover that as much as possible. Now, some ulama have said that the bare minimum is that her clothes must be covered with something that reaches at least down you know, to the knees. Minimum. Alright? And especially if the clothes are tight, like for example, if a woman is wearing tight skinny pants or something, I mean at home, in front of your husband, go ahead. But when you're stepping outside, or when people are walking in, and your shirt is short, or even if it reaches your knees and your legs are completely exposed, then they have to be. What has to be done? What does Allah say? وَلَا يُبْدِينَ زِينَتَهُنَّ They should not reveal their zina. Alright. When it comes to jewelry, whether the jewelry is worn over an abaya, or through a hijab, is that zina? Is that zina? Because sometimes we think, well, it's just a necklace on top of an abaya. I mean, what's the big deal? That is also zina. In Surah Taha, Ayah 87, Allah says, وَلَكِنَّا حُمِّلْنَا أَوْزَارًا مِّن زِينَةِ الْقَوْمِ The Bani Israel said that we were made to carry the zina of the people. What does zina refer to over there? Jewelry, the gold and the silver of the Egyptian people. And Allah says, the women should not reveal their zina. So go ahead, wear ten necklaces if you want. But where should you wear them? I mean, just put your hijab on top, right? Or your abaya, or your you know, jacket, cardigan, whatever you're wearing. Conceal it, cover it. Likewise, when a woman is dressed up in the sense that her hair is made, she's wearing nice clothes, she's going to a party, is that all zina? Yes, it is. In Surah Al-Qasas, Ayah 79, we learn about Qarun. That Qarun, he got all dressed up, alright? And he came out before his people, فَخَرَجَ عَلَىٰ قَوْمِهِ فِي زِينَتِهِ He came out in front of his people in his adornment. Meaning he was all done up, he was all decked out. So when a woman is all decked out, okay, then that is what? Zina. What does Allah say? وَلَا يُبْدِينَ زِينَتَهُنْ The women should not reveal their zina. Remember that in Surah Al-A'raf, we learned about the rulings concerning clothing. Right? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Ya Bani Adam, qad anzalna alaykum libasan. We have sent to you, we have given you libas, clothing. That yuwari sawatikum, that covers your private parts, warisha, and it's also an adornment. Right? So libas is something that you have to wear anyway. What is mentioned in this ayah? Khimal that is big enough to cover the body with. To cover the beauty with. So you understand? Because some people say what this ayah means is that you just make sure that your chest is covered. And I'm wearing a shirt, my chest is covered. Well, do you think the Arab women went topless around? No, they didn't go topless. They wore clothes as well. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala told them they should take their head covering and put that on their chest. So that means that on top of your normal clothes, something has to be, has to be worn for the purpose of covering. Yeah, go ahead. Do you know exactly what is looking beautiful? Right? 
I mean, we have not been instructed in our religion to go and pinpoint everybody's mistakes. So for example, I'm not going to go around to everybody and say, by the way, sister, your hijab is too short and fix it from here and this hijab is too colorful and you should do this and you should do that. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to tell the group in charges to do that. I'm not going to do that. Because this is a matter between you and your Lord. You know very well what is beautiful. Right? What's the criteria that we have been given over here? What is beautiful, cover it. We have not been told that what is beautiful, throw it. Still put it on, wear it. But just one thing, when you go outside, when you go in front of non-mahram men, cover it. Okay. So the question is that, are there any restrictions when it comes to colors, patterns, and such things on your clothes, and when it comes to your hijab? When it comes to your clothes, no restrictions. Unless you're going in front of men. When you're going in front of non-mahram men, then we haven't been told, discard your beautiful clothes. We haven't been told, change your clothes. What is it that we have been told? Cover it. So wear beautiful clothes, wear beautiful traditional patterns, you know, whatever clothes. Okay? But just one thing we have been told, cover it. And that means that what we're using to cover should not itself be displaying beauty. First of all, it should not be transparent. And secondly, it should not be such that it's displaying more beauty. Alright? So for example, you go to certain places. Generally people wear such plain colors, generally, that if you wear something colorful, you'll stand out too much. But there are other places where if you are wearing something colorful, it's not really a big deal. But even then, don't wear something too colorful that will make your face look so beautiful, alright, and your overall appearance so attractive that a person from 50 meters away is looking, what kind of a color is that? What kind of a pattern is that on that dress thing that this lady is wearing? And he wants to check it out. Hmm? So the abaya, the hijab, should not be a source of beautification. It should be a source of covering the beauty. I'm sorry if you hate me for this. But I gotta do my job. It's in the Qur'an, it's in the sunnah. And I cannot tell you. Go ahead. Facial piercings, are they allowed or not? I mean, it depends. Alright, it depends. I mean, again, if you're going in front of non-mahram men, I would consider even a nose pin as a source of beautification. Because a nose pin, why are you wearing that in the first place anyway? What's the objective of a nose pin? Despite the discomfort and everything else, what's the objective? Beautification, right? So if the purpose of that nose pin is beautification, then is it okay to show that beautification in front of men? Is it okay? You know the answer. Anything else? Yes. Okay. If you're wearing henna, and you have to go in front of men, what would you do? Get some bleach, okay? (laughs) And soak your hand in it, so that the henna comes off. Yeah? What are you going to do? What's the rule that Allah is giving us here? Cover it. How? Wear your mittens. Even though it's 40 degrees outside. How do you cover it? I mean, extend your sleeve out. 
When you're outside, don't you know wave your hand at anybody, especially when men are seeing, right? Keep your hands down, covered, closed, whatever possible. Alright? If you have a hijab or something, keep it there, depending on how much henna you've got on anyway. Alright? Go ahead. Exactly, and I mentioned that earlier that in certain societies for example, at the time of the Prophet ﷺ, wearing kuhl in the eyes was something standard, alright everybody did it, it was something standard wearing kuhl in the eyes, alright now if a woman is wearing kuhl at home I mean, no matter how much you try to take it off before going, it's not gonna come off in fact you're gonna look even more messier right, so what do you do then you don't touch it, you go outside just don't look at men in the eye just don't do that Right? And also, I mean, when you know that you're going somewhere where there will be many men, then be aware of that. So for example, if I ever have to go to the marketplace or something, I make sure that I'm not wearing any eye makeup. I take it off. Right? Or I make sure that it's very subtle. Or when you're going to a women's gathering, so for example, you're coming here Sunday morning, you're coming here after class, you're going to go home. Maximum you're going to do is go visit your sister or some of your relatives and then go back home. A little bit of eye makeup, which is hardly obvious unless a person really looks at you, there's no harm in that. Go ahead. Also, it's like you say that what appears, no, what if, um, I'm, like, what if you have bad skin and you just want, like, it's not necessarily like blush or eyeshadow or anything, it's just concealer or foundation to, like, you've been asleep and it's exams and you want to take out your um, under eye show filter. As long as it will make you look normal, natural. Right? That's the criteria. Go ahead. So one last question. In Saudi Arabia, right? It's like the culture there, it's like, um, you know, if you were to wear the colors we wear now, it'd be kind of off, and then that sort of be a vision. Did you mean, like I misunderstood what you said, it's like, so in this country, most hijabis are people, even if they're dressed really modestly, they wear like... Colorful. Okay, okay. Honestly, it depends on where you're going, who you're going to be in front of, alright? Who you're going to be dealing with. Because, I mean, at the end of the day, you are the best judge. Alright? Like for example, what I mentioned earlier, that in some places you wear any color, you stand out. My sister lives in Saudi Arabia and she does not like black. So she will wear her standard hijabs that she wears here. And you know, when she goes to a masjid, Everybody gets angry with her that why don't you wear just black? But she doesn't because she doesn't like it. And there's nowhere in the Quran or Sunnah that we're told you have to wear black. Right? But over here also, when she's here, she doesn't wear all patterns. Alright? She doesn't wear extremely bright colors that are attractive. Alright? You have to, you know, find that middle ground where you're neither drawing unnecessary attention. Right? Nor are you going on the extreme that you are leaving what is permissible. So you have to draw the line yourself. Go ahead. Like 
mean in the Quran we are told that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says inna zayyanna samaa dunya bi zinatinil kawakib that we have beautified the sky of the world with the adornment of stars so what are stars adornment they are beautification so those stars could also be put on your abaya on your hijab all right so see are they a source of attraction you understand they should not be a source of attraction any other question go ahead what if it's school related go talk to the principal go and ask for some kind of accommodations to be made for you we live in canada multicultural it's the best thing about it yes Okay. I mean, even if a woman is sick, or if a woman is unable to clean herself in her private area, it's beyond her ability. Beyond her ability. She's got some physical ailment, she's got some serious health issues, she's extremely old, she's not able to do it. Then in that case, yes, she may get assistance. And I remember one of the classes that Sheikh Walid Basuni taught. In that, he mentioned that even then, she should not just go to any person. If she's married, then her spouse should help her with that. And if she's not, then in that case, you know, somebody who has some level of hayat, that they will not be looking at her or, you know, they will maintain a level of modesty when helping her. Go ahead. I mean, if you are wearing nail polish when you're on your period, I don't see a problem with that. I mean, it's a woman's wish to beautify herself and that is a time when she can actually wear nail polish for a few days. So I mean, what you can do is when you are going outside, just as you would conceal your henna, also conceal your nail polish. Alright? Go ahead. Yeah, inshallah we'll get there also. Those ayat also inshallah we will study. What that means is that if a woman becomes old, right, there's no harm, there's no sin on her if she removes her thiyab. And what is meant by thiyab over there is her outer garment. So for example, a jilbab. Now imagine a woman is on a wheelchair or she's walking with the help of a walker and she's wearing a jilbab. She can barely you know, walk and she's wearing a jilbab. That would be very difficult for her. But still... In the Qur'an we learn that they should not display their beauty. Because sometimes we think that, okay, now I'm, I'm 60, so I don't need to wear hijab, but let me get my hair nicely colored, right? And I can still wear some makeup. And uh, just because a woman is past the age of menopause, she thinks that she doesn't need to wear proper hijab anymore. No. She still has to... You know, remember that as long as a woman has the desire to beautify herself, she should cover herself. Yes. You're going outside with your husband. Can you wear makeup? Don't ask me. Look at the ayat. What does Allah say? Don't ask me. Don't make me look like the bad guy. Okay? Sister Thami is too extreme and Al-Huda is too extreme. I'm not giving you an answer. You look at the ayat yourself and tell me. You're going outside in front of non-mahram men. I don't care who's on your side. Your husband, your son, your friends, whoever it is. When you're going in front of non-mahram men, and you have makeup on, you know exactly what you should do. 
right? Conceal it to the best of your ability. Conceal it. And if you feel like you find it difficult to conceal it, then don't wear it. Go ahead. For exercise, okay. If you want to go running outside, you know, this morning only I was thinking, I can't do these things anymore because the kids are sleeping, so you can't really leave the kids, right? But when you're going running outside, how can you do it? How can you do it? Yes. Okay, so for example, one option is that you go at a time when people are sleeping generally, right? So for example, Sunday morning, like today, it was ideal. It was beautiful weather, early morning, best. Any other option? Yes, any other suggestion? Exactly. So a comfortable abaya, alright, or comfortable loose hijab, that's not going to get in your way, and you can run easily, you can play easily, you can do whatever you want easily. Alright? Yes. The question is that if a woman is wearing a skirt and she wants to go out like that, uh, does it always have to be played? Remember first of all that a skirt, what is it? It's your clothing, right? And your clothing is a part of adornment. Right? So it's ideal if that is concealed. However, if a person doesn't find themselves at the level where they are able to conceal that as well, then in that case, wear something that has as subtle of a pattern as possible. All right? Meaning you don't want bright colors, too many bright patterns. That Just remember the criteria. It should not be a source of attraction. It should not be a source of attraction. Go ahead. Can we wear sleeveless shirts or shorts okay, in front of mahram? Technically speaking. And if you go like that in front of your father, like with your arms all showing, technically speaking, there's no sin in that. However, there must be a level of modesty. Go ahead. Exactly. You have to maintain your hayat. Right? I mean, you could go like that in front of your husband for sure. You could go like that in front of your, let's say, son who is three, four years old. Okay, but once your son grows up to be six, seven, and he's wondering, what is wrong with my mother? Why is she dressed in this way? Then of course, you should see what is best in the situation that you're in. Right? Shorts, I mean, you, you learned about that, that until the knees... Right, is aura that is like the bare minimum that has to be covered. I mean, what is beneath that? Yes, it may be exposed, but if you walk around with something that is revealing your entire leg, first of all, because the shorts are shorts, you each leg is separate, and then your lower leg is all exposed anyway, the body is being exposed. It's somewhat covered, but it's not concealed. Right? So in that case it would be inappropriate to go like that in front of your mahram men. Any other question? Last question, because I have to move on to the following ayat. Actually, I have so much material to cover. Go ahead. It should, whatever you wear on top. Jilbab, inshallah, the details of jilbab we will study in Surah Al-Ahzab. So don't worry, hijab is going to come again. Okay? The bare minimum length of that, the Urdhma have said that it should come up to the knees. 
at least the knees. And I don't mean above the knees. Till the knees. Alright? Huh? Yeah, so for example, let's say it's winter. Alright? And you have a long jacket that is till your knees or below your knees. And you want to go outside like that. You've got your skirt or something on or very loose pants and then you have a long jacket that's reaching down to your knees or even below. You can go out. No harm. Alright? But, of course, it's ideal to conceal all of your clothes. You see, abaya is a new thing. At the time of the Prophet ﷺ, abaya did not exist. What women did was, they took large pieces of cloth, and they used that to cover their bodies. Alright? And their clothes. And of course, when they would walk, I mean, part of their lower garment would be exposed. It would be seen. Not that their legs were seen, but their lower garment was seen. You understand? Now, it's inconvenient to wear a loose sheet of cloth around you. If you did that, you're doing it fine. But it would be inconvenient. And this is why we wear now an abaya. Because it's stitched, you just put it on and you forget about it. Right? And on top you wear a khimar. Okay? Yes. Okay. Rollerblading, horse riding, whatever it is. You're wearing an abaya and you have to lift it up a little bit. Just lift it up to your knees, not above that. Roller coaster, you have to lift it up fully? Oh, when you go to Wonderland. Yeah, this is why I remember I didn't sit on those rides. Because I mean your legs are showing, right? I mean, depends on the ride also. Okay? That if it's just two people sitting... Alright, and the people who are in front of you or behind you, they're far enough that they're never going to be able to see your thighs. No harm. But if there's nothing on the sides and your legs are dangling, alright, and somebody can see you when you're all the way down, they can see you from the side, the shape of your thighs is being exposed, then that is not appropriate. Okay? Now one thing, before we move on to the following ayat, Adorning yourself, beautifying yourself. This is something that's part of being a woman. Alright? I mean, it's part of being a human. And especially as a woman, you have this natural desire to beautify yourself. Right? In the Quran also, Allah says, That the girl creature, the girl, is the one who is raised, who is brought up in adornments. Right? Little girls, you see earrings, bangles. And poor boys, what do they have? Cars. So, but girls, I mean, they grow up with beautification. They are adorned. But just remember something. Where beautification is an important part of life, it should not become the purpose of our lives. It should not consume so much of our money, and so much of our time, and so much of our attention, that we forget things which are far more important. I mean, when it comes to, for example, makeup, how much money does it cost? A lot, right? You know better. When it comes to putting that on, how much time does it take? A lot. And when it comes to researching the best way of putting that on and watching one YouTube tutorial after another and then checking one magazine after the other, how much attention is that taking from you? A lot. What is the niyyah behind this? Why are we 
beautifying ourselves to such great lengths that hundreds of dollars are being spent. Hours and hours are being spent. So much of our precious time and attention is going into this. What are we doing this for? This is something that we need to question ourselves. That why am I doing this? What's the objective? The Prophet ﷺ said that whoever wear clothes of fame, meaning he wears clothes in order to gain fame, in order to be noticed, he's doing this out of pride, then Allah will dress him in clothes of humiliation on the Day of Judgment. Allah will dress him in the clothes of humiliation and disgrace on the Day of Judgment. I'm not saying don't dress beautifully. I'm not saying don't wear makeup. Do that. But remember that moderation is something that is very, very important. Don't lose balance. Don't forget the greater purpose of your life in beautifying yourself. How long should it take to wear a hijab nicely, properly? How long should it take to dress up and make your hair? How long? Check yourself. Check yourself every day or every time you're going somewhere. How much time did I spend in getting ready? One hour? I mean, so many husbands complain, right? It's time to go. We've been waiting for 20 minutes. You're still not ready. You keep saying one minute, one minute, one minute. And you take so long. This is a problem with married women. This is a problem with young women also who are not married, who are still single. We spend too much time in getting ready. And getting ready is not the purpose of our lives. Because the same body is going to go in the grave. What is the niya? Why are we obsessing so much over our hair and our looks? Why? Why so much? I'm not saying ignore it. Give attention to it. But with moderation. Are we spending similar amount of time and our money on gaining something that is more lasting? You know, sometimes we complain that oh, this book is too expensive. It's it's $5. Well, the eyeliner that you got was not even $5. Right? When we complain about Islamic apps being expensive, for example, why are they charging? It should be for free. Islamic classes, they're too expensive. Courses, they're too expensive. Fees we cannot pay. But how much money are we spending on beautification? Beautification, makeup that will get washed off. And it will go down the drain. After a few hours, it's not the same anymore. You know, the day that I lost appreciation for makeup, when it was my sister's wedding day. Okay? She was getting ready, makeup was being put on, it was time to pray. And she realized she didn't have her wudu. And the person who had put the makeup on, they had put everything like, uh, you know, waterproof. So for example, even the mascara was waterproof, and basically everything was. And for that reason, she had to... She didn't realize, rub, rub, rubbed her eyes. Why are my eyelashes falling off? And they still don't feel wet because it was waterproof, right? water repellent, right? I mean, so much time, so much money goes into this, right? But then what happens after a few hours? What happens? You know exactly what happens. You wash it off. It goes down the drain. Was it really worth it then to spend one hour doing that? Was it really worth it? It wasn't. So we need to value our lives. We need to value the time that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given us. This is short. This is temporary. Give attention to your looks. I mean, Aisha radiallahu anha, the wives of the Prophet they spent time dressing up, looking beautiful. They did. 
I mean, we hear narrations about Um Salama, you know, getting her hair made and the khutbah began and she stopped right away and then, you know, she went to pray basically. I mean, they spent time on this. They had hairdressers even. But this was not the purpose of their lives. Remember the limits of spending your time on these things because when it crosses a you know, particular limit, then it becomes israf. Israf. And it comes into wasting money. And those who waste money, who are they? Brothers of shaitan. And we don't want to be sisters of shaitan. Also remember that when it comes to beautifying yourself, beautifying oneself, we should remember the rules, the etiquette. Right? That in beautifying ourselves, we should not lose our modesty. Right? We should not forget the limits that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has set. Likewise, I mean, in hadith clearly we learned that women should not dress up like men and men should not dress up like women. This is something that is not permissible. And also remember that beautification, it should never be for the purpose of deception. If it is for the purpose of deception, then it becomes a sin. It becomes a sin. So for example, if the makeup on the face is such that it's completely changing the complexion of a person, their skin color, or it's completely changing the shape of their eyebrows, or the shape of their lips, completely changing that, they look like a completely different person, then that is deception. Right? Putting eyelashes on, which don't look fake. I mean, some eyelashes, they're really good in the sense that they look fake, clearly. Right? But some, they look too real. They're basically deceptive, right? The objective is deception. Deceiving the other, portraying that you're very beautiful or that your eyebrows are like such and such, whereas in reality they're not like that. Coloring your hair or attaching things in your hair in such a way that they look natural, that is also deception. And that is also something that's not permissible. But if, for example, you know, with your friends hanging out and for fun you get this pink, you know, hair, right? That's clearly fake. I mean, it looks plastic, right? Even if it doesn't, it's bright pink, all right? And you attach it in your hair. All your friends know it's fake, right? Or something is made of cotton. Like the Sahaba were asked that if something is made of cotton and that is used to braid the hair, is that permissible? And they said, no harm. Why? Because it's made of cotton and it's obviously not your hair. Right? I mean, you're not gonna manage to deceive anybody. Alright? So remember that when you're adorning yourself and you're putting something on to enhance the beauty of your hair, to enhance the looks of your face, whatever it may be, it should not be for the purpose of deception. Because that would be a serious sin. Alright? Yes? Streaking? As in coloring your hair? I mean, if you're coloring your hair and you've got, let's say, you know, for example, red or something in your hair, okay, or blonde even, right? A little bit here, there. Of course, everybody knows that's not how hair is. Right? I mean, your hair is generally one plain color unless you're really old. Right? Then you get white and shades of gray and black and everything, right? In your hair. But if it's other colors... Your hair is generally black and in the middle you have a color here, there, at the bottom, in the middle, somewhere. That's perfectly fine. No harm with that. Alright? I mean, if you do it pink, purple even, yes, they're not natural colors. It's better to keep it as natural as possible. I mean, closer to what people generally have. Again, it's not deception. I mean, everybody knows people are not born with purple and pink hair. Alright? Go ahead. 
I mean, maintain modesty, haya, wherever you are. Right? Especially in front of men. But with respect to hair color, remember that the Prophet ﷺ, he actually encouraged people to color their hair. This doesn't mean that you destroy the natural color of your hair. It means that when a person is getting white hair, then he should, or he or she should, color their hair. So for example, Abu Bakr anhu's father, when he embraced Islam, he came to the Prophet ﷺ, he came to Medina, his hair was all white. White! Everything! Head, beard, everything white. And the Prophet ﷺ said, color your hair. But refrain from black. Why refrain from black? Deception. Right? So for example, a 70-year-old person, if they put black color on their hair, I mean, people would wonder, is she 50? Is she 40? How old is she? Right? It's deception. Any other color? No harm with that, inshallah. And the Prophet ﷺ also said, the Jews and the Christians do not dye their hairs to be different from them. Alright. Inshallah, there will be more that we will cover on this topic. But just to conclude this topic, a few words of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam to serve as a reminder for all of us. In a hadith which is in As-Silsilatul Sahihah, authenticated by Imam al-Bani, the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam said that the worst of your women are mutabarrijat, those who display adornment, who are mutakhayilat, those who walk with pretense. They are munafiqat, hypocrite women. None will enter Jannah from among them, except like the red-beaked and footed crow. Meaning such a crow is very rare. Likewise, the women who are like this, mutabarrijat, mutakhayilat, very few among them will enter Jannah. Mutabarrijat are those who do tabarruj, those who display their zina. Allah has told us, la yubdina zina tahun. And the exact opposite of that is tabarruj, a woman displaying her zina, disregarding the words of Allah, the command of the Messenger sallallahu alaihi wasallam. Mutakhayilat are those who walk with pretense, meaning who don't walk naturally. They're walking with pretense in order to attract attention. So physically they're displaying adornment, and the way they're carrying themselves also they are attracting attention. Such women, Rasulullah wasallam said, they're the worst of your women. They have hypocrisy and they will not enter Jannah. May Allah protect us. In another hadith we learned, the Prophet wasallam said, there are two types of people who will be punished in hell, and whom I have still not seen. Meaning these people did not exist at the time of Rasulullah wasallam. So he predicted that there will be people who are going to be like this, and they will be people who will end up in hell. First of all, men having whips like the tails of cows, and they will beat people with them. And secondly, women who are kasiyat, ariyat, mumilat, ma'ilat. Women who are kasiyat, who are dressed up, but they are ariyat. They're still naked. They're covered, yet they're naked. Why? Because their bodies are covered. But still through the covering, their body is being exposed. It is being revealed. The objective of clothing is not achieved. Kasiyat, ariyat. Mumilat, ma'ilat. Mumilat, meaning those who are inclining others to themselves. 
Meaning the way they carry themselves, the way they go in front of others, the way they dress up, what's the objective? Attract attention. Attract attention. Mumilat. And they are themselves ma'ilat, ones who are inclined. Meaning those who are inclined to evil. So for example, a woman going out, and the way she talks, the way she walks, the way she looks, she's trying to attract attention. And why is she doing that? Because she herself is inclined to evil. So for example, a woman who's flirting. Right? I mean, she's drawing attention at the same time she is inclined to others who are not halal for her. So, kasiyat, ariyat, mumilat, ma'ilat. Their heads will appear like the humps of camels. Meaning the way they make their hair on their head, it looks like a hump of a camel. They will not enter Jannah. And they will not smell its fragrance, which is perceptible from such and such a distance. The fragrance of Jannah can be smelled from such a distant place. But a woman who does not protect herself, who does not preserve her modesty, for that woman, even the fragrance of Jannah is haram. And this is a hadith in Sahih Muslim. This is why Allah says in these ayat, وَتُوبُوا إِلَى اللَّهِ جَمِيعًا أَيُّهَا الْمُؤْمِنُونَ O you believers, repent to Allah altogether, لَعَلَّكُمْ تُفْلِحُونَ So that you may be successful. You're only helping yourself, you're only benefiting yourself. When you observe this command. Subhanakallahumma wa bihamdik. Nashadu wa la ilaha illa anta. Nastaghfiruka wa natubu ilayk. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu.